We're now past the halfway point of the season. The Seahawks at 6-3, and three, a game and a half up on the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC West. We're truly entering separation season as the Seahawks prepare to host the Buccaneers in Munich. Just how big is this game? Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking it all down on our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our matchup Wednesday show, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you are a diehard daily listener or a first-time listener for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We got a jam-packed episode coming your way. We're going to look at key matchups on offense and defense as the Seahawks prepare to face Tom Brady and the Buccaneers across the pond in Munich, Germany, the first ever NFL regular season game to be played in Germany. Two first place teams, albeit with quite different records heading into this contest. Nonetheless, two first place teams will be breaking down all those key matchups and much more on today's episode. This episode brought your way by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts. Now for your lead story here on our opening drive of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. The Seahawks at 6-3 and three are one of the biggest surprises in the NFL. They're in first place in the NFC West. They're riding a four-game winning streak. Geno Smith is having dreams of winning MVP. Ken Walker III, Tariq Woolen might be the favorites for offensive and defensive rookie of the year. A lot is going right in the Pacific Northwest that very few people could have expected before the season started. It really feels like going into this Week 10 game, a neutral site game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Munich, Germany, Rob, it feels like this is an opportunity to really create some separation in the NFC West. They were able to gain half a game on the 49ers last week when they were idle. They've swept the Cardinals now at three and six. The Cardinals not completely out of it, but it looks like for the time being that they now are out of this race in the NFC West and barely hanging on to playoff lives at that. And the Rams lost last week too, so the Seahawks gained a full game on them in the NFC West. If they can find a way to win this game and improve to seven and three going into their bye, they'd be looking pretty going into the second half of the season. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, the, the the fact that Seattle is kind of on this four-game winning streak, as you mentioned, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been anything but consistent so far this season. Um, you know, of course, they still have Tom Brady. They still have Mike Evans, still have Vita Vea. They have all kinds of very talented football players. They also are coming off of a victory themselves against the aforementioned Los Angeles Rams. But at the same time, they have not had a two-game winning streak all year long since week one and week two. Um, you know, they've had a three and a four game losing streak. So that, that's the thing is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are kind of limping into this matchup, albeit still in first place in the NFC South. Um, but it does feel like a kind of a, a tale of two very different football teams right now. The Seahawks being one of the 
biggest surprises of the season so far, at least from a positive standpoint, the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers being one of the biggest disappointments of the NFL season so far because they do have so many you know big name players. Um, so I, I think that, that that's what just makes this game that much more critical. Um, for Seattle to be able to get this victory in Munich, um, really be able to just kind of wear that kind of championship belt, so to speak, um, with a you know in a in a, a different country, being the very first team to actually get a NFL victory um, in Germany would be quite the opportunity that I think that Pete Carroll can use as a motivating factor, as if the Seahawks needed one um, against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think you're hitting the hammer on the nail there. I know the Buccaneers are four and five, and I know they've had their struggles. We're going to talk about a number of areas later in the show that this team has really struggled mightily this year, and that's why they still have a losing record, albeit in first place in the dismal NFC South. It still is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They still have championship pedigree oozing from this roster, led by Tom Brady, Mr. Seven Rings himself. And the talent that you mentioned on defense and offense that they have, there are a lot of holes on this roster, obviously, and they haven't been able to mask those very well this season, finding replacements for injured players or retired players, particularly on the offensive line. They've had a lot of things they're dealing with, and yet it's still Tom Brady. You never can doubt number 12, even with how this season's played out and the talent around him. This is still a chance for the Seahawks to make a statement. There's, you know, there going to be some fans out there like, how's this a statement? The team's four and five. They had a losing record. But you just got to look at the guy under center. You got to look at the other players that they've got in their roster. And this is a premium opportunity for the Seahawks to say, hey, this team won the Super Bowl two years ago, just two seasons ago with a lot of these same players. And we just beat them in another country in a neutral game. That would really put the rest of the league on notice if they're not already there after the previous four weeks resulted in wins with much improved defensive play and a potent offense. You look at the playoff odds in this division, and again, this is why I think that this truly is the separation season for the Seattle Seahawks. And these numbers coming from our friends over at 538.com, the Seahawks with that win over the Cardinals on Sunday to put the season sweep together against their rivals from the desert they're at 51% right now to win the NFC West, 81% chance playoffs. If you can win this game, both those numbers are going to bump up significantly. The 49ers just behind them, 45% odds to win the NFC West, 76% playoffs. The outlook's looking pretty good right now for both of these teams. The same cannot be said for the Rams and the Cardinals, though. The Rams with just a 3% chance to win the division now after winning the Super Bowl a year ago and a 15% chance to make the playoffs. The Cardinals limping into Week 10, 0.8% chance of winning the division and 6% chance playoffs. You can make those numbers go down even further if you're the Seahawks and you go out and you win this game, get a fifth straight victory. Again, there'd still be a lot of season left to play. You've got to finish the deal. But being four games above 500, then getting a week off to rest up, get some injured guys healed up, before you start the second half stretch run, that would be an ideal situation. It would really set the Seahawks up to run the table and be able to get the division championship that very few people expected them to compete for, let alone win this season. 
Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I love the fact that we are are already talking about the playoffs right here is because, of course, as we mentioned, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are currently in first place in the NFC South. So these types of matchups are critically important for playoff seeding. Um, and, and so should Seattle be able to get this victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And if they were to face them later on in the season, uh, in, in the postseason, then, of course, that is much more likely to be happening in Lumen Field, where it might be a little bit colder than it would be in Tampa Bay in January. So, again, really important there. And I think that any of the Seahawks fans who are watching us on YouTube are, are going to just love seeing that graphic, Corbin, because it obviously looks very, very encouraging for the Seahawks with uh, the, their possibility of winning the, the NFC West crown. We know the track record of teams in the NFC and in the NFC West, excuse me. If you win the NFC West division, you are obviously a prime time player to be able to get to the Super Bowl. The Rams last year, the 49ers, of course, a couple of years ago before, and it was the 49ers and the Rams were playing for the right to go to the Super Bowl a year ago. So again, it's not just us trumpeting the idea of the Seahawks being a Super Bowl contender. You win this division, you have a good chance of actually getting to the big game. I think the other thing to point out here before we move on to our matchups, we've mentioned this a few times in earlier podcasts, but the Seahawks have four games at Lumen Field in their final five weeks of the season. They've spent a lot of time on the road building this 6-3 and three start. So you get to play in front of the 12s for most of November December and early January and this year the home field advantage seems to have returned for the Seahawks and so that is a great opportunity for them to finish strong with all those games in front of their home fans they also have another home date with the 49ers the rematch against the other team that's chasing them in the division the chance to create even more separation and get back in that tiebreaker because right now that tiebreaker would go to the 49ers who won the week two matchup in Santa Clara. So there's a lot of things in Seattle's favor here. You obviously have to go out and you have to win games. You can't just coast through the second half and expect you're going to win this division, especially with a really good team like the 49ers there. But things are shaping up well. Get this victory here. Move to 7-3. and three, Go into a bye week. Things would be looking pretty sunny in the Pacific Northwest, even if it isn't literally outside those type of conditions this time of year. We're going to get to our matchups here next. We're going to start with the Seahawks on offense going against the Buccaneers on defense. We'll get to those here in a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. When it comes to burglars, your home is like the end zone and you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. This is why I use and trust Simply Safe Home Security at Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. It's cutting-edge technology powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. So you always know that your home is safe. Simply Safe keeps my home safe with the best technology, including the ability to control my system from my phone, watch my security cameras in crystal clear HD, and use a variety of high-tech sensors for the best quality protection. And the best part with 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not at home or can't be reached. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash NFL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash NFL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, 
Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're in Ireland, you're in Germany getting ready for the big game this weekend, if you're in Brazil, if you're in Venezuela, wherever you're listening from. Thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And for your second listen, make sure to check out Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, it's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, Rob, we've got quite a treat on tap coming up on Sunday in Germany, a historic game, the first regular season NFL game ever to be played within the borders of Germany. There have been some preseason games before, but this one actually counts. We've got the high-scoring Seahawks, the fourth highest-scoring team in the NFL, going up against two-time or yeah, they're two-time Super Bowl champions, but two years ago Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, first place in the NFC South. They're four and five. It's been a struggle for Todd Bowles' team. The offense has not been able to get going, but we're going to start with the Seahawks and offense going up against a Buccaneers defense that's still playing at a pretty high level despite the record. They haven't had a lot of support from the offense this year. It's weird saying that when Tom Brady is the quarterback and all the weapons that they've got on offense. It just hasn't come together. I think there's one matchup going into this game, and I'm pretty sure you would agree with me, that if there is a player on the Buccaneers that can single-handedly ruin Seattle's offensive game plan, it's big number 50, massive number 50, Vita Vea, the pride of Washington. Pacific Northwesterners know him very well and not a hard guy to miss on a football field, but he can stuff the run. He leads the team with six and a half sacks. This is going to be the toughest test to date for the Seahawks' interior offensive line. They haven't seen Aaron Donald yet this year, but this will be a close second because Vita Vea is having a monster season, and really that's the perfect word to describe the player. He is a monster in the middle. He certainly is, and it's players like Vita Vea that are my biggest concern against a center like Austin Blythe, who, let's face it, as quick as he is, as smart as he is, he has been physically manhandled at times by some of the bigger nose guards uh, in the NFL. And so I think that Vita Vea is a massive problem for most NFL teams. Um, I think he's an even bigger problem for an NFL team who has an undersized center um, and also is as reliant on the running game as Seattle is. Now, fortunately for the Seahawks, of course, they've got some pretty good guards who have been able to uh, to play, uh, whether it be Damian Lewis, whether it be Phil Haynes, whether it be Gabe Jackson. That that trio has really played pretty well with Austin Blythe and being able, as well as the rookie tackles, of course, on the outside to be able to create the rushing lane. So I think that it's important for us to talk about the idea of Ken Walker versus those dynamic Tampa Bay linebackers. I mean, White and Lante David are spectacular players. But that, to me, is kind of the dessert uh, of this matchup. I think the real meat and potatoes is going to be at the line of scrimmage. So I would argue that slowing down Vita Bay, Akeem Hicks, a terrific veteran as well, Um, you know, another really big man inside. Seattle is really going to have to – be able to try and slow down these monsters in the middle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before they can even worry about what Ken Walker III, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, anybody else, what they're going to be able to do in the running game. Again, going against those linebackers, they got to slow down the big guys inside first. Yeah, this is truly a matchup where, yeah, you want to look at running backs versus linebackers, but 
we got to look in the trenches first. I mean, this is where the offense is going to either be successful or struggle against the Buccaneers because with Akeem Hicks coming back, a very good football player in his own right, he's had some injury issues, but when healthy, he is still a problematic matchup. He can rush the passer. He can stuff the run. 335 pounds. Vita Vea, they listed 350. I, you and I both know that's probably on the lower side with Vita Vea. He is a massive dude, but really athletic for a man of his size. And Austin Blythe was talking about it today before practice. You got to worry about his ability, uh, Vea's ability to just overpower you and drive you back into the backfield. And that's how he's been able to get so many of his sacks recently. And he's a real problem to deal with. So that is matching number one that is the most concerning to me against this Buccaneers defense. Now, if you're looking for an area where the Seahawks should have an advantage, there is a little bit of an asterisk to this because there is a player coming back for the Buccaneers. But we want these matchups to be good matchups where both sides have talented players. And that would be Seattle's tight ends going against Tampa Bay's safeties. I'm expecting Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be back on the field. He was a full participant at today's practice. He's missed a couple days from a concussion, but he's back. And Winfield, just like his father was, is an outstanding player. A little different style player, though. He's got three sacks this year. He can blitz. He's a guy that can get after the quarterback. He's got an interception, a couple of pass breakups, a very physical player that you can move around the field, kind of that gadget safety that teams need to have in today's NFL. Regardless, even when he's been in the lineup, though, this Buccaneers defense has had major problems stopping tight ends, and Seattle's gotten lucky. They've played a lot of teams that are not good against tight ends, and they have been able to capitalize on those opportunities, including twice against the Cardinals. Tampa Bay has very similar numbers defending tight ends this year. They're fourth in the NFL for the total number of receptions given up. They're eighth in yardage, and they've allowed four receiving touchdowns to tight ends this year. So overall, this has been one of the weakest defenses in the league defending tight ends. Seattle's got a trio that I think stacks up against any trio of tight ends in the NFL. Geno Smith loves throwing the football to him. This has got to be a game that especially with the pass rush from the interior. You get to think that Geno Smith's going to be looking to get the ball out a little bit quicker, and that means more opportunities for tight ends against a defense that has had trouble stopping them pretty much all season long. Exactly. I think that that is one of the easiest ways of kind of slowing down that pass rush of the Buccaneers, especially for a big guy like a Vita Vea or an Akeem Hicks, is those those quick little uh, throws out into the flats to the running backs and to the tight ends. Um, we, we've seen that happen so much where you get Geno Smith kind of on these bootlegs and you get a tight end who has been in motion, basically working his way over there. Um, we, we've seen Will Disley, Noah Fant, and of course, Kobe Parkinson all be very successful in that regard. Uh, I love that you mentioned Antoine Winfield. Um, you know, we're going from the biggest guy, arguably, in the NFL and Vita Vea to one of the smallest guys uh, in Antoine Winfield Jr., but at the same time, he plays like a big man. Uh, it just makes plays all over the field. I, you, you mentioned the sacks, the, the interceptions. Uh, you know, I, I just go back to his tape uh, at Minnesota. You mentioned his father, of course, is all pro um, as well. Just a terrific football player. But at the same time, he is so instinctive. He does rely on his eyes so much that you can fool him every now and then. Same thing with Keanu Neal, who has been playing some time at strong safety. Previously, he played with the Dallas Cowboys as an outside linebacker. There are some limitations there. Um, you know, And so I do think that this is a safety tandem that you might be able to take advantage of. And as we talked about in last week's win over the Arizona Cardinals, where Seattle's tight ends had 10 catches matching the number of catches that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett had. 
in that game. Seattle is feeding their tight ends, and it feels like this is another game in which they should do so. And I think that the other matchup, we're talking receivers and tight ends and things like that. It's not uncommon for us to mention DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but there have been a few games recently where that has not been a matchup that has been emphasized for us. I think that this is absolutely a game that we've got to talk about the receivers for the Seahawks, the two stars going against Tampa Bay's outside corners. You've got Carlton Davis. You've also got on the other side, Jamel Dean. Now Dean is having a fantastic season. His passer rating against according to pro football focus is actually slightly better than Tariq Woolen. He's in the top 10 in the NFL. He's got two interceptions. He's allowed two touchdowns, but otherwise he has been very good. He's been one of the best corners in the NFL. One of the select few that I think has a case to maybe be an all pro discussion on the other side, Davis, it's been a bit more of a struggle for him with 416 passing yards allowed. That is sixth most in the NFL. And oh, by the way, Robbie's only played in seven games this season. So that's a smaller sample size. And he's been giving up a lot of yardage. He's given up a couple touchdowns, doesn't have any interceptions. So he's a solid player. But in the past, I remember in 2019, DK Metcalf's year, he had some big plays against the Buccaneers, Tyler Lockett did too. And both those corners were playing in that game. So this is a matchup historically that Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf have had some success. Dean's a very good football player. Davis is a solid starter. But again, this is one of those matchups you get good players on both sides. And yet you feel like the Seahawks receivers should be able to have an advantage there based on their pass play against these two corners. And really, it's just a good matchup with their skill sets going up against what these Buccaneers corners do well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the skill sets of both Seattle's starting receivers against both Tampa Bay starting quarterbacks is just a really intriguing matchup. Um, you know, Dean is the smaller, more athletic guy. I anticipate that he's going to match up against Tyler Lockett, and we all know how smooth and shifty that Tyler Lockett is. Um, so again, I think that the matchup against against Dean is going to be really fun. And then Carlton Davis is a long, physical quarterback. Um, you know, some of the things that he does very well is he just gets in people's faces and plays the ball at its highest point very well. As you mentioned, he has struggled so far this season. It's been fun to kind of watch DK Metcalf, in my opinion, mature a little bit this season. It feels like some of the biggest matchups is when he's had some of his biggest moments. So I really am encouraged by what we've seen from DK Metcalf and stepping up in, in big moments so far this game. We know, of course, he's still maybe somewhat hampered by the knee injury. Uh, from a couple of weeks ago. But I think this is exactly the type of matchup that might be one that's going to excite him a little bit. Um, you know, Carlton, Carlton Davis was uh, back in the SEC, of course, when DK Metcalf was there. They have some history there. I want to see these two guys compete. Uh, I just hope that Seattle has enough time, Geno Smith has enough time, to be able to throw the ball up and allow Seattle's receivers to take advantage of their unique skills against two very talented cornerbacks. I don't care what the numbers say. Both of Tampa Bay's cornerbacks can play. Again, getting Winfield back is going to contribute to the Tampa Bay secondary as well. Uh, but still, I like Seattle's chances, just given the way that Geno, DK, and Tyler Lockett have been able to play so far this season. This might be one of those games, the short passing game to the tight end opens up those big plays downfield for the receivers more so than the running game creating those opportunities. Maybe a blend of the two things. But – they're going to have to get the ball out quickly and then hope that they can take a few shots because I think those chances will be there, especially against a Todd Bowles coach defense. They are going to be aggressive, so there's going to be some chances if you can take advantage of them to get some chunk plays. That's easier said 
than done. We're going to shift gears now. We're going to be going to Seahawks on defense going up against the GOAT, Tom Brady, and all of his weapons that he has at receiver and tight end going into this game. We're going to get to those matchups coming up next here in a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Whether you're looking to pop the question, have a milestone to celebrate, or want to let your love sparkle, Blue Nile can help you make the most of your celebrations and make them even more memorable. As the original online jeweler, Blue Nile offers the largest selection of independently graded diamonds and pieces priced significantly below traditional retailers. And Blue Nile has helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring. Their easy online tools let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity as well as the setting style. And Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then help you handcraft her perfect one-of-a-kind engagement ring. If you're looking for a piece of fine jewelry to commemorate a special milestone but are having a hard time choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Shop stress-free with Blue Nile's 100% satisfaction guarantee. All Blue Nile orders are insured and shipped for free in discreet packaging. They also offer overnight shipping if you're in a rush. Make your moment sparkle with Blue Nile. Go to BlueNile.com and use the code LOCKEDON to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. That's BlueNile.com, code LOCKEDON to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. BlueNile.com, code LOCKEDON. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. We appreciate all the 12s making Locked On Seahawks their first listen five days a week, as well as our new listeners. Welcome. Hopefully, we're going to have an impressive show and you'll want to listen more often. But we appreciate all of you taking the time to listen to Rob and I ramble about Seahawks football. Greatly appreciate it. All right, let's get to our Seahawks defense versus Buccaneers offense matchups going into this big game in Munich two first place teams the Seahawks at six and three the Buccaneers four and five but still in first place they're coming off a big win over the Rams Rob I'm going to shift it over to you first here when we look at this matchup between these first place teams which matchup jumps out to you first when the Seahawks are on defense going up against a star-powered offense that hasn't necessarily put it together this year for the Bucs well I think if we're going to talk about star-powered offense so we got to start with Tom Brady um, you know, and I think you can make an argument that maybe we should be focusing on Quandre Diggs or, you know, Ryan Neal as spectacularly as he has played. But I think you really got to kind of start off with Jordan Brooks on, on Seattle's defense. Um, I think that there's kind of a matchup there. And it's not that I think that Tom Brady, of course, is his fleet of foot that you have to worry that he is going to escape the pocket and things like that. But I, I one of the things I mentioned, the maturation that I've seen from DK Metcalf this season. I think it's been a kind of an underrated element of Seattle's offense kind of taking its game to a whole nother level. I, I think the maturation of Jordan Brooks is a play caller um, and, and just the, the instincts that he has shown. He's always been a terrific athlete, but we've heard Pete Carroll kind of talk about the way that Jordan Brooks is really just kind of seizing this opportunity. I think this is another game in which he is hopefully able to do so from a Seattle perspective. And again, just the, you know, kind of kissing the ring, so to speak, but with Tom Brady, just acknowledging his greatness. The fact that Tampa Bay and their offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, that they can get very versatile with the way that they line up their team, similar to the way Seattle does with their three tight end headed monster 
that they have. Um, in the way that Tampa Bay moves their wide receivers around, I mean, we don't know if Julio Jones is going to be available in this game, but if he is not, then they still have dynamic wide receivers in Mike Evans and, of course, and uh, you know, and Chris Godwin and Brashad Perryman has seen a lot of action. Um, this is a you know Russell Gage. This is a good team that has a lot of weapons. But again, similar to how we talked about before with Tampa Bay on defense and you can talk all you want about the running backs against the linebackers. You gotta be able to slow down the big guys in the middle. Same thing here with Tampa Bay. It all starts with slowing down Tom Brady, not allowing him to bite you at the end the way he's done so many times before, including against the Seattle, of course. And also again, last week against Los Angeles Rams. A lot of times, Rob, when we do these matchups, we're looking at the physical aspects of players. We're looking at their, their skills in terms of catching the football or playing in coverage, tackling, getting off blocks. This is one of those rare mental matchups, the chess match, that when you're playing a guy like Tom Brady, who has seen everything you could possibly throw it in, the guy's been in the league since 1950, it feels like. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that you're going to throw at him that he has not seen before. He's going to make adjustments so what is Jordan Brooks, a player who now is in his third season, has played a lot of football now, but not near as much as Tom Brady, and he's only been in that leadership role as the play caller on the field this year. Bobby Wagner held that the first two seasons that Brooks is in the league. So how is he going to respond to that in this chess match? Tom Brady is often the guy that wins those matchups, but Jordan Brooks is growing into that leadership role. He's really instinctive. So I'm excited. This is not one of those typical physical matchups, but yet it is extremely important when we're talking about the mental aspect of the game that makes Tom Brady the GOAT that he is. Can Jordan Brooks stack up with him playing that middle linebacker position? Now, you mentioned the receivers. We got to go there next because I know that this has not been an explosive offense for the Buccaneers this year. They've only scored more than 23 points one time this entire season. They just have not been able to get untracked this year. But you look at the names. Mike Evans is still 10th in the NFL in receiving yards. He only has three touchdowns, but he's still a top 10 receiver. He's got great size. He's an incredible downfield threat. Chris Godwin is coming off an ACL tear. And so it feels like he has yet to really hit his stride. But this is a guy that still has over 40 receiving yards this year. No touchdowns yet. And they got a couple other weapons. Julio Jones has not done much. He's been banged up. Seems like he's kind of on that bottom side of his career, but he's still Julio Jones. He could still have a few big plays in him, and that's just another player that you've got to worry about. Perriman as well. Those receivers going up against Tariq Woolen, Mike Jackson, and Kobe Bryant, that might be the most appetizing matchup from a skill versus skill standpoint, especially if we get to see Mike Evans going against Tariq Woolen. Woolen aced his test going against DeAndre Hopkins last week. This is a little different style receiver, though. Hopkins has size. Mike Evans has even more size, and he is such a threat winning those jump balls. There really hasn't been a receiver that tests Tariq Woolen from that standpoint as a 6'4 corner. Mike Evans is one of those rare guys in the league that actually will be a challenge from that perspective for him, and I expect Tom Brady isn't going to shy away. He'll be selective about it, but he'll take his shots at Tariq Woolen. And then the other side, Mike Jackson going against Chris Godwin. That's a pretty enticing matchup with two guys that are similarly built. And I expect that that's going to be one of those give or take matchups where both guys are going to win their share of reps. This should be an exciting matchup on the outside for these two teams. 
Yeah, I certainly expected it to be an exciting matchup in that regard. I mean, you know, Tom Brady still only has one interception so far this season. So anybody who thinks that the game has passed him by, um, you know, I think that uh, they, they need to go back and, and watch a little bit more tape. Um, Tampa Bay's offensive line has had its struggles. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But, uh, you know, I – Mike Evans is one of my absolute favorite players, not just wide receivers, favorite players in all of the NFL. Um, just his size, his physicality. Uh, you know, there are some guys who I think that if they didn't want to play in the NFL, then they could perhaps play in a different sport. With the way that Mike Evans plays above the rim, I, I think that he absolutely could be in the NBA right now. But of course, Tariq Woolen with his 42 and a half inch vertical jump. Uh, those long arms that he possesses, and of course that elite speed that he is a all-around elite athlete as well. So yeah, this is one of those matchups that to me is super exciting. And then, as I mentioned before, I mean the fact that Tempe has so many different receivers, then I think this is a, might be the game that we see Trey Brown get himself onto the field a little bit more. Maybe we see Artie Burns on the field a little bit more. I don't know that it's going to be just. And I say just kind of in air quotes, just Seattle's top three corners that we've talked about so much in Woolen, Jackson, and Kobe Bryant. I think that Seattle is going to have to use their dime packages as well in this game should Tampa Bay decide to do that, especially if Seattle gets out to a little bit of a lead, as they've been able to do, of course, in, in these last this, this four-game winning streak. So to me, it's a really, really fun matchup on the outside, the wide receivers for Tampa Bay going against Seattle's defensive backs. But of all the matches that we just talked about, I think we had to kind of, again, just give our respect to Tom Brady and Mike Evans, the big names. I actually think that the most critical matchup in terms of just personnel where I really could change this game one way or the other, depending on who is healthy, is going to be on the on the offensive and defensive line for the Seahawks. And, and Corbin, I know that you uh, had some important uh, views on this as well. Yeah, you look at the Buccaneers' interior offensive line. This was an area of strength for Tampa Bay when they won the Super Bowl two years ago. And last year, getting back to the playoffs and got ousted in the second round. But this was a strength, the offensive line in general. You lose Alex Kappa in free agency. He goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. And then Ali Marpet, at 28 years of age, decides he's going to hang up his cleats, retires early. And then Ryan Jensen gets hurt in training camp, and he's probably out for the season. It sounds like there's maybe a slim chance he could be back by the end of the year. But he's not going to play in this game. So the Buccaneers lost all three of their starters in the middle of their offensive line. And they've still got a solid guard in Shaq Mason. But at the other guard spot, they've been playing a rookie, and now he's injured. At center, they're playing Robert Hainsley, who's not played a lot of snaps. In the NFL, Hainsey, I believe is his name pronounced, not Hainsley. Uh, Hainsey's not played a lot of snaps in the NFL. And so Tampa Bay's got question marks galore in that interior offensive line. And while the pass protection numbers look okay, Tom Brady's going to get rid of the football. They have not been able to run the football at all. They're 32nd in the NFL in rushing. They haven't been able to get Leonard Fournette going. Rashad White's had his moments, but he's averaging 3.1 yards per carry. This has not been a team that's been able to run the football the big reason why the question marks they've got in that interior offensive line. Outwoods and Puna Ford were out with an illness on Wednesday, but the Seahawks are hoping that they're going to be good to go. They better be because this is a matchup that should be heavily skewed towards the Seahawks with the talent that they have in the trenches going up against an interior offensive line that's just littered with question marks and has not played well this year for Tampa Bay. 
It is not. As you said, I mean, Tampa Bay just lost so many really good football players in the interior. And again, Tom Brady is not the most fleet of foot quarterback. So that's contributed to their offense sputtering at times. Um, you know, Leonard Fournette has three touchdown receptions, only two touchdowns on the ground. He's actually been Tampa Bay, one of their most reliable receivers, um, so rather than being a reliable running back. And it's which is kind of crazy when you go back and think about him at LSU and just being the dominant downhill running back that he still can be. But again, with all of the turnover that they've had in the interior of their offensive line, that has really been an issue for them. Um, you know, at the center spot, Hainsey, he, he's a solid player. He is just not Ryan Jensen. Ryan Jensen's one of the elite centers in all of the NFL. Uh, Gadecki, the, the left guard rookie that you mentioned, um, again, a good solid player, but he's just not a guy that I think that you have to worry about as long as Al Woods uh, and Puna Ford are both available to the Seahawks. And you mentioned an illness. Well, it seems appropriate given that the game is going to be in Germany. Well, Gesundheit. I hope that uh, that they're feeling a little bit better, and you know, I, I hope that uh, that if if they are in fact better, uh, then I do think that this is a matchup that Seattle should be able to dominate. And I, in my opinion, this was the reason why Seattle was able to walk into Arizona and win the game as easily as they did a week ago. We talked about it prior to the game that Arizona's center at that spot, you know, at that point in the season just simply was not as good as their previous starter. And I think that's exactly going to be the case here for Tampa Bay. But if Seattle does not have their normal collection of defensive tackle nose guards in this game, that could be something that is a little bit mitigated and suddenly Tampa Bay's offense is able to hum. So to me, this is going to come down to is Al Woods and Puna Ford, or excuse me, are Al Woods and Puna Ford able to suit up and play effectively against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? If they are, I think they should be able to control the line of scrimmage, just like I worry from a Seattle perspective, Tampa Bay's offensive, defensive line, excuse me, might be able to slow down Seattle's running game a little bit. It's really going to come down to a matchup along the line of scrimmage in a lot of ways in this game. Yeah, we talk about the trenches a lot, but this does really feel like a game where even more so the play in the trenches is going to determine how things play out in Munich. So watch those injury reports closely. We'll have it covered on our Friday show. Coming up tomorrow, I will be joining David Harrison of Locked On Bucks to continue breaking down this historic matchup coming up on Sunday in Munich. You won't want to miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. I promise both of us are actually verified and real people on Twitter, unlike some of the people that are getting blue check marks now. So make sure you're following us. Check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube as well. We'll have our crossover Thursday special with Locked on Bucks coming tomorrow. Tons of insight on the opponent and more matchups and other things of that nature. Predictions, we've got it all covered, so you won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.